exactly. You know, thinking of the names as an outworking instead of as a self-focused endeavor. You know, um, just real fast, uh, absolutely, totally, right? It, we're thinking about just one example, Noah or Noach in Hebrew, right? Noach in Hebrew, Noah in English, um, literally means to comfort, to comfort. And here we're looking at a person named to comfort. It's just that if we think about his life, uh, depending on what people think, 480 to 500 years old, God's going to come to comfort and say, do what? Build an ark. Build an ark. And then it's going to take him roughly 100 to 120 years to build that ark. Then, <laughs> after all of that, he's going to have to do what? Shovel poop for over a year. Thank yep. you, right? we got to get all the animals. i get got to get on there with my spouse and their three children and their three spouses. Come on, Mama. Let's fill this boat. We're talking about poop <laughs> on many levels here. I mean, yeah. you've got the physical animal stuff, but you've also got the stuff with your family, and it's you're Throw wading through some things. And you're on the ark, right? Not just 40 days and 40 nights it rains. It does. You're on the ark for closer to a year. It's yeah. A little over a year that we're on the ark together. And we're on that ark for a year, as Sean painted the picture uh, so very eloquently. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. That, uh, illuminates the, uh, the real feel and smell yeah, of that environment, right? Um, you know, here we are. We're on the ark. And the life of comfort doesn't really seem all that what? Comfortable. Comfortable, right? Meaning it's not about comfort necessarily. Noah, feeling Noah, comfort. It's about comfort what? Finding comfort for the others or bringing comfort to the others. Exactly. Bringing comfort to others, being a comfort to others. Yeah. And that's so much embedded in our names. And that's where, you know, as you talked about early, Amanda, it's my name, my identity, my purpose, right? You mm-hmm. know, hands on hips. Yeah. Give me what my name tells me. Because yeah. It's all about me and my right. Because like, my name is a billion dollars, so yeah. bring me my money. And it's no, it's that outworking of the name, and it's not about us, but about who we are, what we bring, who God's created us to be. But that's not entirely about us, and that flies so in the face of you know when we'll say things like my identity, my purpose. We think it's all about us, but as Sean said, it's so deeply about the community and others, what we're bringing. But you don't know that until you know what your name is, right? So, you know, it's always about, like, Joseph, he didn't know he was Israel. And then to find out that he is Israel and what does that then look like? And I think possibly as we look more and more in the scriptures, he doesn't know what Israel looks like. And maybe that's when he's referred to as Jacob. And when he's referred to Israel is when he actually is kind of in the flow of Israel. Exactly. Right, exactly. He's in that Genesis 37. You know, the first two verses, he's Jacob. In Genesis 37, verse 3, Israel loves Joseph. And then when he's going to send Joseph uh, to see to the shalom of his brothers, shalom of their flocks, bring him backward, right? See to the peace of his brothers, peace of his flocks, bring him backward, he's Israel. But then by the end of the passage, when the brothers come back and, you know, torn coat and blood and everything, he's Jacob again, right? So even in Genesis 37, he literally jumps back and forth, Jacob, Israel, Jacob. And that continual wrestling and twisting, as you talked about, and, and when am I more living out of it? But to know the meaning of the name, I think, for our own lives, right? Because, you know, this is real life. You know, it is, these things all happen, and it's real life. In our own lives, what does it mean to actually know the meaning of our name? Or what is our name um, to begin with? Uh, there is something in that piece, too, that what is the significance of it being Israel who sends Joseph to see the shalom of his brothers and their flocks versus Jacob. Because what's literally happening there is a father is 
essentially sending his son on a suicide mission, right? Mm-hmm. And yet it's the it's the name of the promise. It's the Israel name that is doing that. It's not the Jacob name. And it says so much, right, about what he's seeing and what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when it's Israel doing it, it's really from that place. And the fact that he's the one sending, as you say, Sean, speaks volumes to what Israel is probably very keenly aware of what he's doing. And uh, to that end, we've been in the river of this conversation of conflict between siblings from literally the very first people born of people, right? The Mm -hmm. very first people born of people, Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel, Cain kills Abel, Mm -hmm. and really setting off a trajectory of sibling conflict that we are continually, pardon the pun, wrestling with throughout the book of Genesis. Um, You know, Isaac and Ishmael, uh, Abraham's two kids, you know, uh, do not get along, and Ishmael and Hagar have to leave the camp. Um, Jacob and Esau, Jacob takes the blessing that Isaac wanted to give to Esau. Esau finds out, he says, I'm going to kill him. Esau, um, and so the parents send Jacob out of the camp. And now here we are with Joseph and the brothers. But there was also, lest we forget, Rachel and Leah and all of the complexities in their relationship with Jacob slash Israel as their husband. All of these sibling conflicts that we're continually wrestling with, you know, and here's Israel recognizing, seeing the conflict on a very deep level. We've been in it since those very faithful words, am I my brother's keeper in Genesis chapter four, and we're still trying to figure out how to reconcile this. (laughs) Do we then see in uh, Jacob Israel's life um, where he was actually overcoming some of that conflict and the character traits of that that we could take and apply into our own lives and say, ah, this is how he came, he wrestled and prevailed over that. What are some of those character traits that we see in him, too, as kind of the proof of the Israel nature of him? I want to suggest it all goes back to that Genesis 37, as Sean said, when Israel sends Joseph to see to the peace of his brothers, the peace of their flocks, and bring him backward. Meaning, I want to suggest it's not simply, hey, is everything okay? You know, I look forward to the report at 5 p.m. tonight. You know, it's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a longitudinal, um, reconciling of this conflict. And what makes it, I want to suggest, so Israel is that in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 37, it says so clearly, Israel loves Joseph, right? And here's the father seeing the son, and he loves the son. And yet, as you pointed to earlier, this is, for lack of a better term, a suicide mission, and he's very much offering up the son. Hmm. He's acknowledging that this child does not belong to me. He's holding him with an open hand, and he's offering him up to God and entrusting the sacred future back to God. And then we come to Genesis 49, and we find Jacob is still leaning on his staff as he's blessing his children, right? Mm -hmm. So it's that remaining in that twisting and still bearing in our body the scars of the wrestling, the twisting, the... um, So in Joseph, he loses, or shouldn't lose, but he kind of gets rid of his selfishness of hoarding the one that he loves for him, himself. Yeah, I think that's a very, yeah. we had talked earlier that Israel doesn't really, Jacob doesn't become Israel again until after Rachel's passing. Mm -hmm. And then Israel loves Joseph Right, so after there's Jacob this. Loved Rachel. After exactly. yes, so he abdicates his selfishness, and his love is transferred. Right, because the temptation with those that we love is going to be to want to protect them, to hold them, to make sure nothing bad ever happens to them, to make sure they experience no pain, no suffering, no hardship. Right, but actually, I mean, it's a whole 
another podcast, right? But what it really means to love, as we're thinking about here, to offer up the sun, mm-hmm. you know, to really offer up that which I love and cherish more than anything, to recognize, as Sean said, that it's not mine. I don't own him. It's not. And I love him. And I have a responsibility to bring him up, you know, as a parent, right? An absolute responsibility to nurture, to cultivate that environment for the sacred future. And yet I don't have ownership. He's not all mine. Do you think jo- or Jacob knew that he was living out of a deeper, less selfish love when he was doing that? Or did it just kind of come out of who he was becoming? His name then is like coming forth out of who he is rather than him saying, oh, this is my name. This is what I must do. Right. I think um, he's really he's really in the wrestling. I mean, I, I've as I've studied this passage the last, I don't know, eight months or so, that, you know, that it, that it just keeps coming back to me. The extent of the, the wrestling that Jacob is in here, in that he is willing to not only offer up a son, but the son that he loves, the son of his union with Rachel, the woman that he loved. And he's realizing here when he looks back over, as Noah already alluded to, you know, all the humankind, those born of men, have wrestled with each other in sibling rivalry from the very beginning, from Cain and Abel. And the and it's just continually spiraling downward, downward, downward. And you get to this place, and Jacob is seeing, wrestling with, there's a reality here that my, my sons hate the one son that I love. And it's not that he doesn't love the other sons, but there's a, something unique about the relationship with this one son. But the only way, I mean, the reality is he's getting older. He's going to die at some point. And when he's out of the picture, what's to stop these ten guys from killing Joseph? They hate him. They can't see anything about him at all that they like. And so he's entrusting the sacred future then to God. And with Joseph, he's... He's really just reaching out and opening his hand and saying, God, do with you, with him what you will. But he's making that decision now while he's alive and the choice is still his, not, not holding on to Joseph and then guaranteeing that the brothers are going to do away with him when he's gone. He's offering it up and just the deep um, love that's there, the selfless love, the being willing to offer up the son for the hope of what might be while he's still alive is uh, just a huge wrestle. I, I, I often say lately, you know, I, I would have loved to have sat around the fire that last night between Jacob and Joseph, knowing that in the morning you're going to send him to your brothers. And what are you, what's that conversation? You know, it's, uh, wow. I still go back to the, the Rachel incident, though. Um, I, not incident, but when Rachel passes and then we see him mentioned as Israel again because I have you know in being in ministry you're around people who are passing who are dying who are trying to make amends at the end right and you wonder right this is real life we're reminded all the time this is real life real people humanity has always been humanity people are always going to gossip people are always going to cry people are always going to love and hate right they're the same people as we have been and I wonder what, you know, she's in childbirth, 
about to give another son and it's so difficult and so hard and I wonder if he sees or knows he's probably not there but knows that Rachel is passing right and says this has to change the woman I love is gone what's going to happen when she's no longer here who is going to pass on you know like this can't be my future like this wrestling these boys hating each other you know i think that even in that particular instance right as rachel's passing she's naming the son benoni son of my sorrow or pain and then israel is saying no his name is benjamin he's the child of happiness and joy there's a huge wrestling there and to pick up on what amanda just said there right in thinking about what happens when Rachel passes? Jacob is seeing Rachel, whom he loves, give up her life for the sacred future. And then then we jump to Genesis 37, right? Where Israel loves Joseph, and Israel sees that which he loves, he needs to give up for the sacred future. Mm-hmm. Which is the ultimate wrestle of life, right? Of what do we do with what we love? Yeah. And will I really offer it up to the Lord, right? Can I not say that which I love is mine? I need to protect it. I need to do everything I can to hold on to it as tightly as possible and never let go or give it up to God. Well, and if we love so tightly to the things that we love, they actually aren't blessings. They actually become curses. So you have to hold loosely to the things that you love in order to bless. Yeah. And here's... Jacob Israel seeing that with Jacob seeing who he loves Rachel give it up for the sacred future give it up mm-hmm. for her son and then recognizing oh you know and then it's a lot easier to see when Israel loves Joseph the recognition of I'm going to need to give up I'm going to need to offer up that which I love I can't hold it I have to hold loose mm-hmm. what might God be doing here the legacy isn't just his son Joseph it is the love that he gives that's the legacy for the people is the action not just the person and you had said something about Jesus going back to Jesus and in Israel right and and Jesus just saying on the night that he's betrayed that no greater love has anyone than this that he laid out his life for his friends and you are my friends if you do what I command which is what Lay down, you know, hold on to your life, but hold it onto it loosely. Carry it with an open hand before me. Don't allow anything to um, have ownership of you. He says in another place, too, that those who uh, hold on, essentially, translation of Sean, those who hold on to their lives will lose them, but those who offer them will find them, will gain them, right? And wow, what is it to walk through life with everything that you love? held with an open hand and say, I will not withhold any of this from you. So, you know, here you have, back to when he originally gets his name, you've wrestled with God and mankind and have prevailed. He has to wrestle against himself. He is part of that mankind that he has to wrestle against. And you will prevail in following me to give up. Mm -hmm. It's a fascinating thing, right? Because there's there's a lot of different readings of Genesis 32 as to who Jacob is wrestling with to this end, right? To your exact point, Amanda, which is most, the text simply says he wrestles with a man. Artists will depict usually an angel. Jacob says he wrestled with God. Now, putting aside who is wrestling with the man slash angel slash God, you know, we always times think, 
well, he's wrestling with someone, so that must be an external wrestle of another physical person. What if he's also got to wrestle with himself? You know, to your point, if he's wrestling with man, he's also wrestling with himself. And even in Genesis 32, might he be wrestling with himself? Because there is a reading of, it says that Jacob was alone, and then he wrestled with a man. And there's one line of thinking where, because you can really read it so many ways of, he wrestled with a man, but he said he was alone. Is he wrestling with himself? Well, how many times have we had to wrestle with ourselves? All of us are Israel and Jacob in that way, right? So I'm going to tell a little story here, which is a crazy, dumb little story, but it kind of serves this point. So um, years ago, when I was just a young mom, and those of you who know me, like, I love stuff. I love pretty things. I love jewelry and sparkly stuff or, and whatever. And I was working on really in my own personal life of being less selfish and materialistic. And I had these, I, I don't know, a couple months before this was happening, I'd bought these two little jewelry stands that matched. And I had, of course, pretty much equal jewelry on these two stands. And I was praying in my bed one day, and I saw my two little jewelry stands. And the Lord was like, I want you to pick, I mean... I heard this little thing in my head. I want you to pick one of these stands to give away. And I was like, oh, I can give a stand away. And he was like, no, and everything that's on it. And so I was like, what? I know this sounds wackadoodle, right? I'm hearing from the Lord to give away jewelry stands. But anyway, so I was like, oh, right? Because you love pieces of jewelry on one of them and, you know, and some on the other. But you're like, can I just switch the stands and put all of the jewelry I really love on one? No, I just had to pick it. And then he said, and I want you to give it to this one person. And I was like, what? Because she's so different than me, very plain, very simple. I knew she wouldn't even love the jewelry that I had on there. And it took me like weeks to finally just do it. And when I gave it to her, she didn't love it like I loved it. The true thing is, this is nothing like Jacob and Israel, but the fact is we do have to wrestle against what God asks us to do. And most often, we aren't necessarily wrestling against other people. We're wrestling against ourselves and how we even are with other people. I have to wrestle and have patience with other people. And that's me. It's not them. It's me. When my character is being tested, it's not them. It's me I have to wrestle with. It's when God asks me to do something, even something like give up jewelry, I have to wrestle with my own desires, my own selfishness to give and to obey and to show the love um, that I have to hold things loosely and say, God, it's yours. I'm yours. That's powerful. Yeah. That thank you. That that's a great story. Mm-hmm. It's just jewelry, but you know we all have our things. <laughs> we all have our jewelries. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's 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 good. We we wrestle with um, our own hearts, and will we hold our own hearts out and say, God, I withhold nothing from you. Thank you. That was really- I think maybe even at the very end, right, when he's either Jacob or Israel, he still has to choose who am I in this moment? Am I Israel even at the last days right. or am I Jacob? And now he's and now he's really let go of a lot in his life, right? I mean, 
He's let go of himself. He's let go of the wife that he loved. He's let go of the son that he loved. He's let go in letting go of the son that he's loved. He's let go of the future that he'd hoped for. There's no guarantee that there's going to ever be anything that comes from Joseph now. He's let him go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and one other thing, just going back to you know the story of favorites here, right? He's mm-hmm. in a lineage of, of favoritism. He, um, for most of us, who's our favorite? We're our favorite. We have to let go of us being our own favorite mm-hmm. and say, you know, God, you're my favorite. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's a hard thing to do. And we don't always do it, right? Sometimes we're Jacob. Sometimes we're Israel. Well said. Sometimes we're Jacob. Sometimes we're Israel. Any other ponderings, meanderings? Revelatory thoughts before we turn the conversation. <laughs> <some> ings. <laughs> um, this has just been so much fun. Yeah. So fun. Thanks, guys, for letting me pop on here. Thank you for joining us, yes, Amanda. Thank it's been you. awesome to have you. Two pastors and a rabbi in West Fargo, North Dakota, signing off. Thank you for joining us today. Our production was handled by Cody Qualley. You can remain a part of the discussion by emailing us at redriverscripturecircles.com, by calling 701-404-9318, or find us on Facebook at Red River Scripture Circles. Ready? Two pastors and a Jew. Yeah!